Uh, welcome back. So this is actually episode 76 of the Grindhouse podcast. We took a little bit of a break, um, took a little bit of a summer hiatus um, to, I mean, we took a break from the podcast, but we've actually been working a lot on the Lynn Hip Hop Wall of Fame. I'm sure I'll be talking about that throughout this podcast a little bit more. Um, but I'm happy to be back. I have a couple of special guests. This isn't your typical podcast. Typically, we like to bring on musicians, hip hop artists from Lynn and the Boston, you know, area. But today, um, we have more of a, uh, I mean, I guess we can call it sort of more of a political podcast in the sense because that's what's happening in the city. Um, obviously, we represent Lynn. Uh, both Crit and I, Crit is behind the camera today for this podcast. Um, obviously, both of us are from Lynn and have a huge connection to the city. Um, so we actually brought on a couple guests. Our first guest uh, to all the way to the right of me is Marvin uh, Hippolyte, right? Is that how you pronounce it? It's pronounced Hippolyte, but you know, all right. we'll take it. We'll take it. All right, word, word. The, the H is silent. That's tough. For people. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, I wasn't trying to butcher because I was like, for the longest time, I was saying Marvin Hippolyte, like Hippolyte. But... I get that a lot too. You know, he real polite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marvin, can you let us know what you're what you're doing? Let us know what you're doing. Yeah, so my name's Marvin Ippolit. Um, Lynn resident. Been involved with a lot of uh, local activists and nonprofits. Uh, mostly involved with Neighbor to Neighbor and the New Lynn Coalition. Um, spent some time working with the congressman. Um, and I've been running for uh, local office in Lynn for city council in Ward 5. And then this year I've been running for councilor at large. Dope, dope. And uh, so to the immediate right of me, I have Jonathan Feinberg. Jonathan, what do you do? Uh, thanks. I'm uh, the director of organizing and development for the New Lynn Coalition. And I'm also a musician in Lynn, rock and roll band and a folk band. Tiger Manuel. Tiger Manuel.com. Yeah. So um, I guess the first thing I want to get into because... Um, you know, one of the things, especially so we've been, Krita and I with Grindhouse have been working on a project, actually kind of getting a lot of the um, other uh, hip hop collectives in Lynn kind of coming together for a mural that we've been doing. And um, the biggest reason why, in my opinion, that mural is important to me um, and the people involved in the murals, because we're preserving something I feel like in Lynn that's uh, gone underappreciated, I would say but also needs the recognition, um, especially in the face of what's been happening in Lynn. If you notice, if you walked around Lynn anytime recently, that you'll notice a lot of new buildings and construction going on. Um, and if you look at the prices for those buildings and constructions in those rooms, uh, you would see that is a lot of money to be able to move into those places. And so uh, I think that the writing is on the wall about what's happening in the city, um, which is why uh, the project that we have been working on the Lynn Hip Hop Wall of Fame is, has been created because there's a, a, a beautiful culture that's happening in Lynn that I feel like is being threatened by the uh, developmental uh, properties that's been coming up and, and pushing the culture of Lynn and, and putting that in jeopardy. And so we created that project to help preserve, uh, you know, the, the natural organic movement that's been happening in Lynn that's at, in danger of disappearing possibly in a matter of years. Um, but I, I first want to kind of get your thoughts on um, as people in Lynn, as residents of Lynn, what is your perspective on what's been happening? I mean, you know, the only reason I'm kind of, you know, pushing so hard um, in running for office and changing the narrative is because, you know, it's happening to me. It's happening to my family. You know, so about six years ago, I came back from school. I was at UMass Dartmouth. And, um, you know, I was just noticing that my moms and my, my, my father, my sister, my friends, everybody was just kind of really struggling um, with the rising cost of rent. 
you know, and there was all, there was other stuff going on in Lynn, obviously. Uh, but that really kind of shook me a little bit because, you know, I'm out in the real world now looking for a job, trying to, you know, claim my independence. And you can't even do that. You know, I had uh, four friends so far this past year just leave the city because they got priced out. You know, I had to leave downtown because I got priced out, you know, and it really does feel like the city um, is just trying to make uh, a buck without necessarily considering the people like you said, like who make the city great, who bring that culture, you know? Yeah, I think you um, you really got it with uh, with so much of the city being under unrecognized and underappreciated, right? Um, and uninvested, right? There, there's so much that we could do. We have such a beautiful city. There's there's so much history. There's so much diversity. There's so many cultures coming together, creating new things. Um, you know, I, I, it's harder and harder to stay there. Uh, I've lived in Lynn 10 years, just about. Uh, I own my house. Uh, the, the taxes go up every year. I don't see anything back from that at all, uh, except a higher tax bill the next time around. Um, the, the city council isn't responsive. You know, uh, I think one interesting thing about Marvin's campaign is he's the only renter who's running for office, right? Uh, out of an 11-person city council, every single one of them currently uh, owns a property. And when you look at the numbers in Lynn, right, um, on average, uh, for renters versus homeowners, there's a $50,000 income difference, right? So there's just a, a completely different reality that the people who are running our city live in, right? We effectively, we have two Lynns. Uh, there's a rich Lynn and a poor Lynn, right? There's a, there's a, a white Lynn and a, and a people of color Lynn. Um, we recently had a housing plan that showed all that, uh, put good numbers to it, made a good map out of it. So, yeah, and it's hard to make that change. Uh, it's hard to fight big dollars, you know? Yeah, I actually was talking to Marvin about this before uh, you rolled up about, like, why I appreciate what you do, what you do. Uh, people like Cinda Don, shout out Cinda. Hey, Allison, shout, out her, her. shout out Allison. Um, you know, I would say, like, the younger... The, I would say the younger generation of, of, of thinkers in Lynn, because I feel like um, when I was growing up in Lynn, I felt like um, Lynn was more of an older type of kind of city. And now I feel like we have so many people, us, you know, who kind of represent Lynn, who are the younger generation of thinkers who, you know, have, have either left the city to you know go to college, do whatever we have to do, and then came back and want to see, obviously, our city improve. Um, and it's been great kind of like getting to know you guys, getting to see what you do and also being inspired by what you guys do. Um, cause that absolutely inspires what I do. And so like, it's, it's great to kind of see the younger minds kind of come in and, 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 you know, wanting to see a better version of the city. Um, cause I, like I was saying before, I feel like for the longest time, like the people who run the city are, are representing a, gen a different generation, which may not represent what's happening currently. And so I guess on that aspect, like what do you feel like you bring to the table that separates you from, you know, other candidates or, or, or what you offer in terms of like a, a, a vision for, for what the city could be? I mean, well, number one, you know, I'm the youngest person running for office in the city, you know. Um, and again, my background, you know, my folks are from Haiti. I spent some time there. So I have that immigrant experience. I can communicate in four different languages. So, you know, I'm not scared to, you know, go up to the Spanish speaker's door or French speaker's door, you know. And then, like, let's keep it real. Like, John, I mean, John was talking about, like, there is two lens. You know, I grew up downtown. Like, that's it's the hood. Let's keep it a, let's keep it a book. 
not too many politicians are going there to knock doors. You know, I do both. I go to those places that they're too scared to go to, and then I go up to Ward One. I go to Pine Hill. I'm, I'm at that door too. And I think also, you know, just you know, my education I think really um, you know helped me out as well because you know, my mom sacrificed a lot for me able to go to school and learn. And I, I feel like you know my time at the congressman's office and going to other cities and seeing how they do things kind of gives me a fresh perspective, you know, because, you know, when, when I come to Lynn, one of the things that's really frustrating me is like 80% of the city doesn't vote in local elections. And, you know, our campaign, we got a vision to plug those people in and actually give them a say and empower them so that they can make those changes. Word. Uh you know, one thing that comes to mind is I agree. Like, and and I I wouldn't say like I've I've obviously know the importance of voting, but I would say that time and time again I've been disappointed uh, with my vote, and that that obviously doesn't incentivize me to keep voting when I feel like my vote continuously doesn't matter. Um, just just kicking it back to you, like how would you kind of incentivize people? Like how do you how do you incentivize the people who aren't voting to want to come out and vote when that's such a big problem? I'm not gonna lie to you, brother. It's tough because you know the people we talk to. John and I, you know, they're people, they're disenfranchised. They already don't trust the system. Like I was just telling you earlier, I was just knocking doors and this older woman was like, I seen you here before, my rent's still going up, I don't trust it. You know, so it's a, a part of it is really building that trust, going back, knowing that you're not gonna get them on the first time. And then by doing that, going back and showing them that you're sincere, tying it back to how it's all connected because a lot of people can't see how it's connected. They can't see how that new building or these murals is going to affect your rent, you know? So it's it's part of So it's two-pronged. It's building that trust and then showing them how the things happening, you know, the decisions being happening behind closed doors affects them. I feel like there's, there's two things that come to mind when I think of, of politicians. There is and, and I feel like I want to just get your both of you guys sense on this is like there's one like uh, there's two ways I feel like of doing politics. There's the person who is for the people and really represents the people, you know, and gets and gets, a, you know, the people to kind of really support, you know, their cause. And then there's the person who's relying on power, i.e. whether it be cash, money or organizations, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I, I like I'm not here to name names or say who's doing what, but um, in your from your perspective, in terms of like you've you've ran before, right? That's right. That's right. And so, can you let us know in terms of uh, when it comes to running, do you feel like people's like do you feel like the people's voice are actually heard? Or do you feel like the money is heard more than the people's voices? I'm curious. Oh man, I, I, right now as things stand, you drive around Lynn by the way, and you yeah. see you know you see what you see, you and see you just you you think about how much money it costs to to you know I, I, all I'm saying. So anyway, now nah, money's huge. Money talks, you know, and um you know like like I mentioned earlier, you know when you have a situation where eighty percent of the city doesn't vote, doesn't understand the power that they have, the money's going to talk. You know, we got people power, right? But the problem is, is uh, you know, a lot of our people, sadly, uh, you know, they're hurt, they're traumatized, or, you know, they just don't know. You know, so they'll sleep a little bit. And, and so, right, as it stands right now, the money's talking. But 
you know, you see what's going on in the past, you know, four or five years. You got people like myself, John, Cinder, Ali, Isaac Holds. Shout out to Lynn United for change. Whole bunch of cats stepping up. Even in the hip hop world, like, shout out my man ST, Nackinum, Cash, all of them. Like they're coming around. They they they're putting that message in their music. So you you see that starting to change a bit. You know, so we're really trying to wake people up. It's the people power that should reign supreme. But for right now, until we can wake up to the power that we have, the money's going to keep talking. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, Jonathan, on, on uh, you know, how, what you think, especially from an artist perspective, because, uh, you know, you're not only like do what you do, but also, you know, you're in a band, you're a musician in the city. So how do you feel in terms of like, you know, the people's voice versus the money and who's being heard more? Well, the people need more money. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with that. Uh, donations for the committee to elect Marvin Ippolit are very welcome. Um, mailers cost a lot of money. Uh, hand cards cost a lot of money. Running an election costs a lot of money. Paying people to work for you costs a lot of money. Um, we don't have it. Right? We have people power, right? But how many of those people are going to show up to vote at the end of the day? Um, how do you get them to vote? I, I mean... I think Marvin's like really like right on point with that. There's a lot of people who are just who, who've tried before it didn't work. So why keep trying? You know, why keep doing the same thing over and over if it doesn't ever benefit you? Um, but then you know, uh, if you don't like the conditions that you're presented with, what are you doing to change those conditions? Right? What are you speaking about? What are you What are you doing with your time? Are you Are you just talking about it, or are you Are you doing something about it? You know, what, what organizations have you joined? What, what kind of meetings are you going to? What, how, how hard do you try to get your voice heard? Now, I know it's not easy to get to, to some, like, planning meeting at the Lynn Museum at, like, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You got a job. I get it. Um, but, you know, when you can, where you can. Um, you know, you give, you give $15 to the kids, like, trying to get money up for their jerseys or whatever. You can give $15 to a political candidate. You can, you can give an hour of your time to a community meeting. You know, we all make choices like that every day. And it, it can be hard. I get that. I totally do. But if you don't like what you're presented with, you have to work to change that. You can't just accept it for what it is and, and let that happen. Because you keep letting that happen, and you're not going to be able to let that happen anymore. They're going to kick us all out. Sad facts. Sad facts. And as an artist, I think we do have a, somewhat of a responsibility to mm-hmm. talk about that. Uh, and to try to incorporate that kind of message in, into our, our art. Absolutely, I agree. You know, so one thing that I really enjoyed about what you bring up earlier was your idea for the city council meetings because it, it's 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 like when you think about ways to incentivize people to get involved, I feel like that's an excellent idea. You want to just kick that idea real quick, just to kind of just get the uh, ideas flowing because I I feel like that's what we need. You know, because it, it is like what you're saying, Jonathan, is true. Like it's like the incentive should be like you you want to see the positive changes in your city, especially reflecting who you are you know, as, as you know, as, as somebody who is a resident of the city, but you have to get involved in order to do it. I like what your thought process was. Cause you're like, Oh, it's almost like an incentive, like a, a reason to show up, even if it benefits you, here's a more incentive. I don't know if you want to. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's something that my team and I are really thinking about, but you know, I love bonfires. I love bringing people together around that vibe. John loves that. You know, you do credible guitarist, by the way, <laughs> but you know, for me, my ideal city council meeting, it would be we're right on Lynn Beach. We dig out a nice big fire pit with some sand furniture. You know what I mean? It's like a communal thing. And 
you know, we host a city council meeting there with a bonfire and maybe we got some food and people just walking by and, you know, it sounds silly on the surface, but what you're doing is you're making it easy for people to participate. Yeah. You're creating that community. You're walking by, you know, walking your dog on the beach. What's going on over here? This is city council. Well, what's the city councilor? Well, you know, they make up the laws for the city. They represent you. You know, what part of the city you live in? That's your council. Oh, I didn't know that. What are they talking about today? Well, they're going to be voting on a budget, you know? How much is it going to be? $410 million. I didn't know that, you know? And it, all of a sudden, the bells go off, you know? And it's more attainable. Because it's like you, you host these things at, like, you know, City Hall. First of all, you know, how many brothers feel comfortable <laughs> approaching City Hall? But seriously, though, no, that's, a very, but that's a very good point. That's yeah, an absolutely great point. It's yeah. intimidating. You know, there's a lot of cats in the city. You know, maybe they speak English, but maybe not that well. You know? This is a reason why I like like how you approach your campaign because I feel like you make it easy for the people to understand what's happening. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, you, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of that in a second, but just what, what off you were saying, I feel like when you go into those city council, it can feel bureaucratic. It could feel like, you know, a little, and it's just, it, I don't think, especially when you're representative of the community, it just doesn't feel like there's a human connection there. It feels more like, you know, you're almost presenting, you know, in front of Congress. Oh, dude, they have a wall up. <laughs> so so you know it's it, like when you represent the people i feel like that's not a good representation of what people how you engage with people so i like that idea a lot because it's like let's go where the people are let's make it fun because like why not you know what i'm saying like why can't we vote on something and also make it feel more communal more like you know inclusive than you know you have to go up and you know, present in front of a whole people standing in a chair higher than you are looking down at you you know and it just feels it feels I don't know. It, 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 like you said, like if you, especially when you come from a certain background, it just feels like this is a place that's going to get your heart pumping, you know? Yeah, um, so I like that idea. And also in terms of what I wanted to say to you is like I had a friend. Uh, I went to your um, your backyard shindig that you had last Friday, which was dope. Uh, shout out to you guys for having such a great uh, gathering. And my friend who I invited, he's actually not from Lynn. But he got to engage and hang out and get to know you guys. And he said one thing he liked about you was the fact that, and he understood what gentrification was beforehand, but the way you walked and approached and engaged him in terms of like the problems of the city, what, like the way you approached, like, uh, came from an understanding of like, you may not know or you may know, but if you don't know, let me tell it to you in a way that you can understand it. And that communication of being able to connect somebody and be like, hey, do you know what's happening in your city? And really break it down so you're not like just using big buzzwords and trying to like, you know, get people going off of buzzwords, you know, which is obviously politically today is very huge, obviously, using buzzwords, whether it be, you know, Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, Bloom, you know, whatever. It's like, it's like, no, it's like what's happening in a city and really focusing and trying to get your message to really kind of make people understand. And just the way you're able to convey that message without using big buzzwords and really kind of breaking it down for people is what he really appreciated. So, um, I don't know. I, th I, feel, I feel like that's important, especially when you're representing the people. You got to... Yeah, no, we work real hard on that. John and I, like, you know, I have an idea, like, and thank God, John and then our campaign uh, manager, also his wife, um, Rebecca Hornstein, shout out to her. Like, you know, that, we work real hard on that because it's like, we'll have an idea. You know, we went to school. We, we, we understand the theory. But... You know, we're trying to wake up working class people. Can't go over there, beat them over the head with a book. That's not how. That's not how you bring people in. So we work real hard on that, on making the message as easy to understand as possible. Because it is, 
and you know and people get um I, I was talking to a, I was talking to a, a brother last week about this. Like he was saying, you know, I, I I see the issues that are going on. I just feel like I gotta let somebody in the suit handle it. And I'm like, damn, dude, like that that's not how it's supposed to be. Like your lived experience, you know more than a lot of these a lot of these suits. I, I've been in these meetings with some of these electeds, and I'm like, God damn, like. These dudes really don't know, you know what I'm saying? So it, it, making it easy for people to understand and connecting it to their lived experiences, I think, um, really gets the message across. How would you, like, for people who don't understand what's happening and, like, the risk involved in, I guess, l not exercising their right to vote or using their voice, like, what would you, how would you explain to them the risk that they're taking by just, like, I don't know, going blase and, and just being like, ah, oh, you know, that guy in the suit's going to handle things for me. Like, wh what is the risk of, of allowing that power to continue? I mean, your livelihood, you know, is survival. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I tell people all the time, like, you know, if it's like national politics, like the presidential stuff, if you don't want to participate in that, I, I can't really fault you for that. But in a city or a town that you live in where you grew up with, you likely grew up with some of these people that are in office, you could get them on a cell phone and you're choosing not to do that. Well, guess who's guess who's making that decision for you? Like, I, I keep it. Let's keep it a buck. I was running in War five downtown, mostly folks of color, poor white folks. It's the hood. Mm -hmm. War five also included. A piece of Pine Hill. If you if you know Lynn, you know Pine Hill's mostly, you know, it's nice. Streets are paved. People, you know, probably don't even lock their doors. It's on the <laughs> hill. You know, it's on the hill. Nice everybody. people. Beautiful people. Yeah, yeah. If you don't vote downtown, you don't make your voice heard, somebody up there is making that choice for you. Mm -hmm. Do they truly understand what you're going through? I got back from I got back from school not even a week. And there was already a shooting on Washington Street. Mm. I seen somebody OD'd. It's not happening up there. You know, we all want the same things, but damn, I would like somebody that understands what's going on down there. Mm -hmm. So if you're not speaking your mind, somebody is making that choice for you. And are you okay with some strangers, somebody you don't know, somebody who doesn't understand who you are, what you're going through, making a decision for you? Word. All right. I got, I got a now kind of turn it to the more uh, musical aspects of these things. Because obviously, Grindhouse, we represent, you know, the Lynn hip-hop culture, especially. Um, and one thing, when you talk about hip-hop in general, uh, especially hip-hop in Lynn, one of the things that I hear a lot about is the lack of support, generally, from city officials, even from the community, you know, in terms of, like, you know, wanting you know, typically wanting these rappers to be like famous before they support them. Yeah. City officials feeling like it's too dangerous of a genre to really support. Uh, and venues also feeling like it's just too dangerous of a genre to really kind of host shows in or whatever. And, and creating a lot of limitations to be able to, to have hip hop shows. Um, as somebody that's running um, for a, a council position, like what what are you able to do to help us kind of in the fight, help artists in the fight to try to get their, not just their voices heard, but just like to get them the support that they need to allow their hobbies. A lot of them, you know, are, are doing it for the love of it, but also they can do it for the, you know, uh, they can make money off of it, some serious money off of it. If the city supported them enough, have venues for them to perform it, what can we do to kind of create that? I mean, for me, I, and I've been talking to a lot of spitters in the city about this. And, you know, I, I kind of dabble on the beats myself. I'm mm. not good. So don't, okay. no, but don't, don't ask me for a beat. <laughs> but, 
But, you know, for me, number, the number one glaring thing is why don't we have a communal studio? It's crazy to me. That's true. We got all these empty, like, buildings and whatnot. You mean to tell me we couldn't find a grant to get a communal studio? And then you could probably even fund it with, like, cheap monthly fees, $20 or something. It's crazy to me. That's be- exactly. Yeah, no, it's wild. And then, you know, the other piece that we always talk about is the fact that you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't have a politician or a counselor knocking your door telling you, hey, you know, these are the resources. Hey, did you know that you could apply for a block party? Right. Like, why isn't my counselor, you know, what I'm saying like helping me throw a block party, help me throw a festival. And to the culture piece, this is why representation matters, you yes. know, because it's like, you know, we understand that hip hop is not what you see necessarily on the TV. You know what I mean? It's not all Migos or whatnot. Right. And, and, and so if you don't have somebody in office, again, if you don't vote locally, you're going to get. You know, a city council or a mayor that thinks that, you know, it's the devil's music stunting your growth. Yeah. So just just right there. But like for me, yeah, those three things like, you know, as a counselor, one thing I'd like to see definitely a communal studio. I'd work with the artists to make sure that there were more block parties so that they could showcase their talents. And then, you know, from there, like finding ways to empower them so that they can continue on with that project. Yeah. The, the other thing I, I hear and, and that's thank you, because that, that would be amazing. I feel like that would help the culture so much if, you know, if we were to put that into motion. You know, the other thing I hear, because um, we were gracious enough uh, to get a grant for our mural, the uh, shout out to the Link Cultural Council for gifting us with a grant to be able to make that project happen. Um, you know, and then in conversations with people, you know, they were like, "Whoa, I didn't even know that we could apply for grants through the city and make something happen. So which makes me think and makes a lot of people think like, why isn't there like, especially like if you know, if you're invested in what's happening in Lynn, you should know that there's a rich hip hop culture happening in Lynn. You should have some idea that there are musicians in the city who take their craft seriously, you know, and there's a lot of, not just in hip hop, you know, in, in a lot of different genres, there's a lot of artists and musicians in the city that we should figure out ways to support. And, you know, them not knowing that there's grants available to to create something that could be potentially huge and meaningful to a lot of people. Like that seems like an important over, like like a huge oversight. And so, you know, so one thing somebody, you know, threw this idea out there. Shout out to Jay Moon. He's like, why isn't there part of the you know, these grants available for music, you know, like making sure that the music, the, the musical scene in Lynn is thriving, you know, so like, you know, sure, we have like, you know, Massachusetts or whatever gives us a certain pool of money for arts in Lynn. Why don't we make sure that a certain amount of that money is going to the musical part of Lynn? Because that is huge. Um, and so that's another thing I just wanted to, to bring out there is like, you know, people have thought about that because, you know, grants are important and people didn't know that that was a thing that they could do, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, that, that's 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 what John and I are here for. Like, you know, a lot of what we do is, you know, education, like civic engagement, political education work. And a lot of people think it's just like, you know, the potholes and stuff like that. But it really ties into, you know, the arts as well and, and mental health. So many things. Yeah. Like having somebody that has a, an accurate read of the the culture. And this is what I bring it back to, like having somebody that represents the generation of Lynn that's really coming to, which is the younger generation, the the our age, you know, the people in their 30s who have been in Lynn for a while and now are really kind of hitting their stride, buying homes, you know, really kind of hitting that footing in their careers, having more of a voice and confident in the voice that they have. Like, you know, this is important for us to be like, yo, like, 
Yeah, it's you guys have been running a you know your situation. It, it's it seems nice. You guys have been pocketing nicely, but what about us? You know, what about the working class folk? What about the folk that has been in the city grinding away and finally has something to say? So um, you know, anyway, uh, that's you know something I want to say. I mean, I appreciate what you guys are doing. Well, it's, it's back to to a question of investment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we gave a two and a half million dollar tax break to uh, a developer from uh, Swampskit, I believe, yeah. uh, Michael Procopio, to build a 10-story luxury building on what used to be a community garden in downtown Lynn, right? Mm. What, what else could we do with that $2.5 million? Or what else could we have done with that land? You know, and what say did we have in any of that? 11 people made the decision to give that $2.5 million tax break. 11 people. There's a lot more of us than there are of them, Right. We just got to be willing to do something about it. And and I think there's a lot of opportunities too, right? We finally have a planning department. We're the only fucking city of 100,000 people I've ever heard of that didn't have a planning department, ever. We don't have a master plan. I mean, I went to school. I went to school to be a city planner, right? Um, every city uh, that I have ever heard of, over like 50,000 people, has a master plan, has a planning department. Salem has 60,000 residents, roughly. They have a, a fully staffed, uh, planning department with at least eight people working at all times. Lynn finally has three. Finally, has, we didn't have anybody for 40 years. How does that happen? How does that happen? It was a question of, of where we invest. Where do we put our energy? Where do we put our money? Right? And if we don't get people who actually understand what we're going through and can actually like carry through a vision uh, into office, then what are we doing? And so for just because you went to school for city plan, so I'm going to ask you this question for people who may not have an idea of what a city, why is it important to have a yep. city planner? Why is it important to have a city planner? So I also made a very intentional choice to not actually be a city planner. So oh. there's a little bit. Um, if you're a city planner, you work for the city, right? Effectively, you work for the mayor. And your job is to take sort of like a, like a hundred thousand foot view of the city, right? Try to think of the whole thing together. Try to think about what the people who live here want, what the people who live here need. Where are there gaps in resources, right? Where are there too many things happening, right? And how do we make this make a little more sense, right? So uh, do we want to like invest a lot of money into culture in downtown, right? Do we want to figure out how to turn that underground part of trios into a venue like Middle East downstairs in, in Cambridge, right? Which we could do. There's a huge space down there. It's sick. Um, Artists in the city need a venue. Exactly. If there was the investment, right? But we won't get the investment if we don't have the representation at the end of the day. Um, And that means showing up for the planning meetings. That means getting your voice heard. There's a, a, a survey out right now from the planning office. We have an arts and culture planner now. Uh, I just met her for the first time the other day. She seems lovely. Uh, if you are involved in the arts in any way, I recommend reaching out. Um, they're very friendly people there. It's the friendliest office in City Hall, honestly. Um, they care about listening to you. A planning office should uh, engage in deep community outreach, regardless of campaigns. That's the idea. You want to hear from the people about what they want, what they need, and sort of put that puzzle together and figure out the direction we're going to move and make a plan for that. So, so you're telling me for 40 years... There's been nobody that's been critically thinking about how the layout of the city should be kind of laid out, especially when it comes to considering the different classes and backgrounds of the city. For 40 years, there's just been like an empty office where somebody should have been. That's that's crazy. I'm still yeah. like, 
at a loss for words. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and before that, we only had one city planner uh, for a city of, of what I guess what at the time was probably like 85,000 people, mm-hmm. which is not anywhere close to enough. I mean, it's it's a huge job to have to do. This, we didn't have anybody at that role. Yeah. Th- this now makes me think about, and I'm not sure whether those two things tie together, but it does make me think about the fact that from my eyeball perspective, the 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 level, the speed of gentrification that's been happening in the city has been like, you know, zero to 60 and like, you know, 1.5 seconds fast. Like it's been, it, it, it feels like it's on an accelerated speed and it makes so much sense that the fact that there has been no city planner, I don't know if it ties in because I don't know anything about. No, it absolutely does. Uh, it absolutely does. Uh, it's not just the city planner. It's also about who's on city council. Uh, there's this thing called zoning that kind of determines what kind of buildings for what purposes can go where, right? And they lay that out for the whole city. Um, and as it stands right now, because our, our city charter is also about 50 years old, hasn't been updated in 50 years, the rules that govern our city. Um, uh, shit, I lost my train of thought. Um, Importance of city planner. Right, thank you, yes. Uh, so, you know, this person's coming in looking at the last 50 years of random pieces about this neighborhood, that neighborhood, the waterfront, green space, whatever, none of it fits together. Uh, and they have to come in and they have to actually figure out what's going on in our city for real. And we just had this housing plan process that was really good, that was helpful. But like, these people need our help, frankly. They need us to come tell them what's going on in our lives. The more evidence that we can give them, the more more reasons we can give them to do what we need, the easier it'll be. Mm Um, and we need city councilors, like I know Marvin will be, who are willing to communicate with them and engage with them and consult with them before they make their, their vote on whether something can or can't happen. I saw something, I'm not going to say the person who said it or wrote it because it's, uh, it's online for anybody to see it, but pretty much it, it was a very apparent to me that this person who's in the city, who's a city councilor, uh, heavily ignored a large demographic of people with this comment about the situation when it comes to luxury apartments and gentrification and land just off of the comment alone it was very clear that person could give two shits about a certain demographic of people in the city and i found that to be uh just an issue because when you're thinking about like if you're representing a whole city you should be representing everybody and not just the people that whether it be lining your pockets or representative of what your background is but this person online is just like you know pretty much you know, those people, it's too bad for them. You can't afford an apartment. It's the market. Boom. Get out of here. What what, what would be in terms of like getting, because obviously, you know, as a city council, you should represent everybody. But in terms of like, you know, how to make things fair for everybody, especially in the face of what's happening in the city for gentrification, like what can you offer? What can you do to help kind of, I, I wouldn't say stop what's been happening because I don't think any one person can stop what's been happening, but what can we do? Like, how do we feel better about the situation in Lynn and what can we do to, to at least the very least slow it down? I know it's a big question. I'm sorry for, you know, I mean, short answers, get involved, show up, you know, we, we, there are protests, there are meetings, there are all kinds of opportunities to get involved. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the real problem is that our city council has all of the power in the city. Yeah. We have we have a, a situation where the city council has more power than the mayor uh, currently, as is set up, uh, and they flex that power. 
And because of the, the individuals who are in the various seats, there's no good working relationships there. Um, you want to get something good done, you got to jump through a million hoops. Meanwhile, you can grease a couple palms. You can just get shit done. There's like 10 families that run the city. And that, that's always been the problem with, with, especially when it comes to working class and, and, their, and then why the, the voter, in my opinion anyway, why the voter turnout is always not what you expect, especially when somebody's heavily supported is like, there's always that aspect that it's like it's, it's, it's depressing to realize, but it's like money really makes the world go round. And it's like you, you, you like it, it sucks to, to, to see it happening, but it, it continuously it seems to happen over and over again. And it, that kind of process, seeing it happen over and over again, it makes you lose faith in the system that mm -hmm. we're in. It really does. And it's not to say that we don't need investment and that we don't need nice things. I mean, we deserve nice things. We made this city attractive to these developers. We deserve nice things too, right? You shouldn't be able to go into like a JH1 building or like 501 Washington and see the kind of conditions in there or like, you know, houses along the commons where their front door doesn't close and the, the back stairs are just covered in mold, you know? Meanwhile, there's a fucking rooftop pool that none of us are ever going to be able to swim in. Are you fucking kidding me? That's the only pool in the city outside the Y. Yeah, no. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And that pool, that good. That <laughs> two point five million dollar tax break. That thing's like three feet. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> but it's on a rooftop, you know. Oh man, <laughs> it's a rooftop pool. Oh man, yeah, man. I uh, it, it's it's crazy to think. It's, it's very depressing to think about. I just feel like this is the realities that we're in, and that, that's why I feel like that's why obviously we have you guys on the podcast because we're we're trying to like really get the the message out for everyone. I, I saw what happened. Uh, recently in the primaries with like Michael Satterwhite because I really did feel like you know he had the city he had the pulse of the city I really did feel like that at least from my perspective he had that pulse and it was shocking to me you know what the you know what the outcome actually was because I felt like the whole city was buzzing with you know somebody that's represented their community you know and um, I don't know I, I felt like especially after that that like we all kind of have to do our part um, you know, especially for your campaign, just to get let people know, like, we got to get people who represent us to be a part of the decision making because we can't let a city council group run and make all the big decisions and literally push us out, you know, without having one of our own at least represent in that, in that room. Um, so, you know, again, thank you for uh, for coming on and just just um, kind of enlightening us a little bit about what's been happening. And um, I don't know if there's anything that you want to say. Um, you know, feel free to, to tack on. I mean, you know, I guess like if there's, if people are listening, if there's one thing I, I really just want people to understand is like, you know, when you look at the state of politics in this country, but just in the city too, you know, it's so easy to just get bogged up in the idea of like, my vote doesn't matter. You know, whoever gets in, gets in. There are leaders. And it's just like, man, that's just the wrong way to think about it. If things are not going well in the city, it's our responsibility to step up and fix it. And you can't let some dudes in, in a suit in a building intimidate you. The only power they have is the power we give them. You know, the power really is in our hands. If we don't want gentrification, if we stand up, Freaking, honestly, all we really need is 20,000 of us. Mm -hmm. There's 100,000 plus. All we really need is 20,000 of us standing up strong saying, no, we don't want this. It's not going to happen.
but we really got to take that first step. You know, we got to show up, you know, and, and, and don't be intimidated. Don't feel like you're not smart enough. These dudes use big buzzwords that really don't mean jack shit. <laughs> Seriously, your life, your lived experience, your life is enough to make the decisions in the city because seriously we all want the same things mm -hmm. you know we want clean streets we want to be able to afford the place we live in we want it to be safe we want to be able to to travel and enjoy nice stuff you don't need a phd or anything like that to make that happen you just gotta have a good heart and good connections you know talk talk with your talk with your family your friends get together and start flexing that muscle together you know so that's that's really the message i want to get out word well, thank you. Thank you so much. Jonathan, you got anything you want to? I mean, you're talking about Satterwhite and, you know, likes don't vote mm -hmm. and signs don't vote. We saw that with Sear. Yeah. Right? People vote. Um, and, you know, you voted 100 times and it's never made a difference. I can, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Believe me. <laughs> I see the same things you do, but... Um, that's like the, the smallest thing that you could do, really, at the end of the day, is just show up on the day. Polls are open 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. They're not that far from your house. Uh, hit up the campaign. We'll give you a ride if you need a ride uh, anytime. We'll help you figure out how to vote early if you want to vote early. Um, but it's the least you can do. You know, I think, I think you, want, you want to change shit. you got to change the conditions that, are your, that you're presented with. And you can... You can bitch about them or you can do something about it. Yeah. You know? And and you can spend all your time on Facebook and, and justly and rightly calling people out, you know? Um, and posting facts too, you know. I, I like all of that shit, but that doesn't that doesn't get new people in power. Yeah. You gotta show up. And you gotta get your friends to show up. You gotta get your family to show up. And, you know, Marvin's talking about his his run in War Five. Uh we won three out of four precincts. Uh, lost by 50 votes. One precinct decided the entire ward. And you know what precinct that was. That was the white precinct. It was the, the two-income household precinct. It was the precinct where people own their homes, right? It wasn't where most of us live. Three out of four. Three out of four. That's not right. Three out of four should win this thing mm -hmm. every time. So you got to show up. Where, uh, in terms of how to, uh, I know we, we talked about it, we mentioned it before, but in terms of supporting you and your campaign, where can people go to, to get more info? Check us out at MarvinFolin.com. I should have brought some lit with me. It's Marvin, M-A-R-V-E-N-F-O-R-L-Y-N-N.com. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, Marvin, my first name, M-A-R-V-E-N, underscore, F-O-R, underscore, counselor. Um, we have our, our, our on our website donation links. Please donate what you can to the campaign. Twenty, fifty, a hundred, whatever you can. Max it, is a thousand. Give a thousand if you got a thousand. Give a thousand if you got a thousand. If you balling like that, th throw it towards <laughs> the campaign, and you could write it off on the taxes or whatnot. Right. Um, and then really, so donations is big, but also we need volunteers. So like, hey, if you watching this and you want to throw us a house party before November second and invite people. Hit me up. You want to um, text message your friends and, and or, you know, try to give people rides. You want to knock doors. Hit us up. Whatever you can do. Uh, but definitely donating and outreach. So 
please do that and let's make some change. Marvin Flynn, you heard it here you're... first. Well, not first. I mean, you heard it here a thousand times, but <laughs> you heard it on Grindhouse. Marvin Flynn, you got to support, man. Uh, obviously, like, uh, we all aren't happy. I would assume if you're watching this, you probably aren't happy with the direction the city has been going. Obviously, there's a couple of nice things here and there, some murals, some blah, 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 who are, you know, but we got to make sure that the people who are making the murals, the people who are making the change of the city are the people who live in the city. So make sure you uh, turn out to the polls November 2nd. You vote for Marvin. Um, and yeah, man, support. You got to you got to use your voice, man. If you have one, you got to use it. And this is a, it's an easy way to do it. Um, so yeah, anyway, uh, thank you guys for catching another episode of the Grindhouse Podcast. This has been episode 76. want to thank my guests again, Marvin and Jonathan. Um, again, Marvin for Lynn. Uh, and you guys take care. See you in the next one. Peace, peace. peace.